Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It is episode 127. We've got a big show coming up. We've got, we are going to be talking to David Limbrick, MP. He's a Victorian politician with the Liberal Democrat Party. He is at the centre, I would say, of Fiona Patton's new bill mm. on uh, you know freedom of speech changes and like the ATC on steroids that we were talking about last week. So Absolutely. we're going to be talking to him about his views on that and what the debate is about and also about the big win for the Liberal Democrats on nuclear power. Mm. So we've got that... In the show, we're also going to be talking to one of our campus coordinators, Theodora Pantelich. Now, uh, climate strike coming up, we're going to be talking about that. But mm-hmm. Theodora is a uni Melbourne student. She received the famous email from the University of Melbourne. Uh, so we get to talk to her all about that. She then joins us for the quiz with Pete and Bella. And boy, was it a hot quiz. Ooh, it was a big yeah. quiz. So you guys are going to want to stick around for that. But let's get into it, Pete, because uh, as of Friday, we're on strike. Absolutely. We're on strike, James. In case you missed it, listeners to the Young IPA podcast, the global climate strike is coming up on Friday. Now, this is intended to fall three days out from the UN's Emergency Climate Summit in New York. It's meant to be for young people, high school students, university students, that sort of thing. But something tells me there'll be a few uh, people that are just young at heart also making an appearance. Yep. Uh, as, as you said, we'll talk to Theodora Pantelich uh, about how universities across Australia have been dealing with this strike, sending emails, putting messages on their portals mm-hmm. about how that's students... A, that's a word Pete learns in the interview. That's probably the highlight of the podcast, learning what a portal is, uh, and uh, putting messages on their, on their portals about how it's fine for students to go to this, miss class, uh, encouraging students to go in some places, and the worst one for me, James, yep. was... If your tutor decides to go, then you'll have to make other arrangements. So there's yeah. all these kids out there that are like, great, my teacher's gone to this strike. I'm going to have to switch shifts at work. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. well, I need to come in on 6 a.m. on Thursday instead of Friday yeah. because uh, my teacher doesn't want to teach us t- tomorrow. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, like, uh, There was a few great ones. I found this one from Charles Sturt University's acting vice chancellor. He encur- uh, So his name's John Germov and he encourages staff and students to attend uh, saying uh, no one would be penalised for missing class and the university stance was, quote, consistent with its unwavering commitment to environmental causes. That's good. So, unwavering. Know, just uh, no one's going to be penalised. Yeah. Miss class, flunk exams, great administrative hassle, yeah. don't worry, there's no penalty. I'm sure that What a great to- uni to go to. Yeah, exactly. Any day that you just too, you don't, you don't want to go in because it's really cold and you've got a 9am shoot, just say, yeah. well... Just really worried about climate change. Yeah, exactly right. And I'm sure that applies to the broad spectrum of political issues, not just climate change. Anyway, if students do want to go to class uh, because they want to learn about their future and all that kind of thing, there is an event you can go to. Yeah. Generation Liberty is running a go-to-class event. Jump on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, it's just up on the screen now or, in fact, any second. Uh, it's yeah, there all, it is. It says, you know, you can demonstrate your genuine commitment to a better future by showing that you are dedicated to your edu- education and have high hopes for future generations. Yeah, so that uh, all the details are on our Facebook page uh, for the Institute of Public Affairs and for Generation Liberty. That's so if right. you're not already liking one of those two, then go do that. Give them a like. Um, it is like we are. We have approached a different stage of world affairs when the rebellious movement is to go to uni. Things have taken a turn. Things have taken a turn for the worse. I would say. <laughs> I'd say so. Uh, all right. So the other big story we want to talk about. So I like the big uh, culture wars debate in Australia was uh, was Oda, over Ida Butteros's comments to uh, the, this one plus one show. Uh, now Ida Butteros, when she was put as chairman of the AB, uh, you know, the chair of the ABC, mm-hmm. that was like uh, showing to conservatives. I guess that it was like, oh no, no, we're listening, we're listening. So That's right. it's now Ida Butros. She's yep. there and it's all gonna be great and everyone's gonna have a great time. Yeah, because she's yeah. a conservative. Because she's a conservative. Uh and then this all falls down. 
Um, basically, if you've just been watching the ABC, you would have seen absolutely no change. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, so, Ida Butchos goes on one plus one, and uh, Jane Hutchie and the Horace asks her if there's any truth to the long-standing rumours that Scott Morrison, when she when Scott Morrison appointed her, said, I think we should have more Andrew Bolts or Miranda Devines at the public broadcaster. Yeah. And so Ida says, I certainly hadn't thought that Andrew Bolt would be a great fit for the ABC. If he applies for a job, we'll consider him like we do everyone else, but it wouldn't be up to me to decide. Uh, and then she goes on to say, so there are no job offers out there, Andrew. Uh, I'm there are, Sorry, Andrew, there, there are no job offers here. No, no, there's been no discussion about that. Whack. Uh, Andrew's never asked for a job, so I don't know why she got very defensive about it. But it's yep. just like, um, and you know, it is weird because like he is my dad and then we're getting into this. But it's just like, uh, you know, for years, dad had a regular seat on Insiders yep. and he was always like he did a documentary with the ABC exactly on right. things and in like a few short years of time, he's now, there's no job offers. Yeah. They're like there's no way we can have you on. That was three years ago, that documentary. Yeah. And now it's not a great fit. Yes. So, and I don't think, uh, Andrew, sorry, Andrew's politics has changed in three years. So it must've been the ABCs. Yeah. And the other thing I would say about this. Well, I don't think it's even the ABC's politics because back then it was basically the yeah. same thing. It's just like the cult, the wider culture of just like, you know, there's so many people that they want to sit and watch the ABC from seven o'clock to eleven thirty and go to bed. And if they hear, can you not bring my parents into this? <laughs> if they hear even the slightest opinion that they don't agree with, yeah. we're on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Like right. those are the people that have changed. The ABC hasn't changed. Dad hasn't changed. People who uh, broadcast every opinion they've ever had on the internet, they have changed. Exactly right. And of course, it's not. Andrew Bolt that's the issue. It's that Andrew Bolt is the most popular columnist in Australia. Yeah. So therefore you're saying mainstream Australia isn't a great fit for the ABC. Oh, that is a very good point. Thanks, mate. Thank you, you know, I think I probably stole it from your dad, but that's right. <laughs> um, so now the other thing, now we said it's been a bad week for the ABC. The other thing they've done yeah. is that we're Jacinda Price. We told you about Jacinda Price last week, an Indigenous woman who wanted to go to Coffs Harbour and talk about domestic violence required the permission yeah. Of, of the local people there to do that. So, you know, that was the big story last week. Now, this story, so as I said, she went to Coffs Harbour to talk about domestic violence in Indigenous communities, and this happened. So as I a few, few salty words there. <laughs> that's right. We might have to get the beeping machine working. Yeah. That we may or may or not may <laughs> or may, or may not bring have. in. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's what happens when an indigenous woman wants to talk about domestic violence. So all those businesses, right, and all those celebrities that piled onto Ellen Jones the other week, they have not said a bloody thing about this. Yeah. Right. And. Well, isn't that just absolutely hypocritical? Well, I got like, sorry, the clip if you are only listening. So that's just like some dude at the back just absolutely uh, giving Jacinta an earful from the back of the room while yep. he's trying to be escorted out from police. And yep. like, you know, breaking news, drunk dude turns up to politically conscious event and embarrasses himself. But the point is like that guy, because Coffs Harbour asked Jacinta to uh, ask for permission mm. and because of all the different, like the problems that she's had getting this event together, yep. it's basically that that guy is on the side of the people who get to say whether or not Jacinta has an event or not. Exactly. Because right. it was like, it, you know, that guy can turn up to anything, mm. but it's the fact that there's other people going like, well, you know, this should never have ha been allowed to happen in the first place. Yep. That, that guy has a point. That gets creepy. 
That's right. And where the ABC fits into this is the local um, ABC in Coffs Harbour smeared her in a number of ways. They didn't invite, uh, invite her for an interview, by the way. Yeah. They interviewed her critics. They smeared her and said she'd cozied up with the right side of politics and that she was a divisive figure among the Indigenous community. Now, they later issued a statement to say it was remiss. Uh, they were remiss in not offering Miss Price the opportunity to respond to criticism. But I just think... I mean, just let that sink in for a minute. This is yeah. a woman that wants to speak about indigenous uh, in domestic violence in indigenous communities, and the ABC won't interview her, and they call her divisive. I don't, yeah. know, I don't understand what's divisive about that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and you know, she does have other opinions that the ABC would find divisive, but it's just like, you know, we can't. If she's divisive, then let's hear what she has to say, hmm. and then you know, we'll like surely the people of Cos Harbour can decide for themselves from that point on. But you know. Don't want to do that. And I just cannot, I cannot, I don't want to go about this, but yeah, I just yeah. cannot get over the hip, hypocritical nature of this. All right, cool. Let's uh, lighten the mood a little by going through our heroes and villains. So if we can have the Grunt the Pig Freedom Snout Trot, what, what is it? That one. Give Whatever us a that snort. Is. Whatever the, snort, that's the word. How do I not know the word snort? Anyway, uh, so this is uh, the snort of freedom. So it's basically for people that have stood up for freedom around the world this week. So yeah. uh, Pete, start us off. Well, the, the people today that I'm going to give the Hero Award to, so I'm just scrolling down okay. on my computer. Just bear so with us. During good, the week, we saw a tweet from the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education. They tweeted, a social media trend for Instagrammable alcohol products has been blamed for a spike in Australia's consumption of premixed drinks and spirits. Now, from one government-funded organisation to another, Vic Health retweeted this and said there are more than 6.3 million Instagram posts tagged hashtag gin and 8.5 million hashtag vodka posts. Fair Australia has called for strict, stricter regulation of social media advertising. So we know where this is going. This is two government organisations ganging up to bring in more nanny state regulation. Yeah. So for carrying the torch of freedom through these difficult times, my Grunt the Pig Freedom nomination for this week is the 6.3 million Instagram posters who hashtag gin and 8.5 million posters who hashtag vodka for carrying the torch of freedom. <laughs> uh, the good news for the torch is I reckon there'd be some crossover between the markets. So exactly like, right. I don't think it's 14.8 uh, million or up. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. It's millions of people. <laughs> and they only drink gin and they only drink vodka. And I'm pretty sure they're flammable liquids as well. Oh, well... Oh, okay. So you want to keep them away from the torch holders. Exactly uh, right. But the torch will never go out. So, yeah. you know, picks and chops. There uh, you go. That, yeah, good one. And you're completely right. It's just like uh, the, 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 what I don't get with this stuff is the concept of there's a bunch of people that are only hashtagging gin because they've been advertised to yeah. and not the fact that gin exists and people enjoy drinking it. That's fun. <laughs> and vodka is slightly better by those numerical standings that yeah. you have. Yeah. Uh, Rum all the way. Anyway, so uh, drinking my, is my hero. This drinking week. is, isn't it? Everyone's hero every week. Uh, that's <laughs> sorry. Uh, let's go uh, to my hero of the week, and this is like a more of a fond goodbye to someone I've had my eye on. Okay. For, uh, like my, uh, you know, I've been paying attention to for a while. Marion Williamson. It's looking like the candidate's uh, campaign is over. She hasn't got any of the polling numbers, and she was being interviewed on uh, TV, and she got picked up by Hot Mike. Uh, you know, it happens to the best of us. Pete and I would Oof. definitely, like, Saul has enough to uh, <laughs> destroy to Pete all. and I forever uh, by just speaking a bit too freely near a microphone that's on. This is what she had to say. You know, I'm such a lefty. I mean, I'm a serious lefty. But there's so... I understand why people on the right call them godless. I mean, it's like... I didn't think the left was as mean as the right. They are. 
Yeah, because Marion Williamson is someone who got ab- gets absolutely pilloried from the left because, yeah. you know, she has some pretty funny tweets out there mm-hmm. from the past, like uh, the stuff about visualizing angels can stop nuclear radiation and, uh, if you know, all the stuff you need to know, know about modern capitalism can be found from Yertle the Turtle. Like these are two things that she said. Yeah. And it's funny, uh, but the point is like the stuff about, uh, you know, if you just you, you can pray and it will affect the outcome of like school shootings and stuff mm. sounds ridiculous, but there are people that believe that, and when they absolutely go at Marion Williamson, they're going at a whole lot of people that would vote Democrat. Mm. And so, just for pointing out that like uh, it is very toxic on the left. Like, don't get me wrong, there are right wing trolls mm. out there, and they're extremely nasty. Yep. Left is just as bad. Exactly right. Is and what that, I would say. And so just to clarify, because you did say before you think she's gone. Is yeah. it, so this is it. This is you're saying this is our this is our farewell to Marianne. I, I think so. I've been visualizing angels inflating her poll numbers uh, from day one. It hasn't been working. She hasn't got any of the cutoffs. So I was looking like basically anyone that I wanted to win the Democratic <laughs> nomination is gone. So well, like Tulsi Gabbard, not inv- not invited to the last debate. Uh, Marion Williamson not invited to the last debate. Andrew Yang's hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Like we're running out of good people. It's well, going to be Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren in a three-way tie to get absolutely dunked on by Donald Trump. <laughs> like, that's what we're going to end up with. Well, James is genuinely sad, so yes. I'm going to give him a minute and move right. on to my villain. Okay, oh, that's sorry. going to cheer me up. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, we also do, as you know, the villain of the week. Yep. Uh, and I would say it's often much easier to find the villain of the week than the hero of the week. Yes. I mean, I gave hero of the week to Jin this week, <laughs> but the villain was easy. Don't. Knock your own hero. I've got to fight for it. Anyway, my villain this week is Lincolnshire Fire and Rescue Service because they are giving uh, Fireman Sam, lovable cartoon from the 80s, the sack. Now, before we get into that, let's just play a little bit of the Fireman Sam theme song. Yeah. There we go. Absolutely uh, so terrific. I like when this story broke, I didn't know who Fireman Sam was. Like I had no name recognition, but seeing yeah. that intro and listening to that music yeah. like awakened the childhood memory of it. I was like, oh. wait, this is all falling into place. There you anyway, go. That's why, why I did it. Yeah. It's virtually a copy <laughs> to of make everybody me in touch with my own childhood. That's right. It's virtually a copy of Everybody Wants to Rule the World, released in 1985. Oh, anyway. It- is. That's right. I got That's that off wild. the uh, got that off the internet. Anyway, the reason they they, they are the villain this week is because I Chief Fire Officer, sorry, <laughs> Chief Fire Officer Les Britzman of Lincolnshire Fire and Rescue said, "There's been a lot of research that said that images that young people have about what careers they want to do are formed when they are about four or five. If you are promoting that image, we might be stopping people wanting to apply for the fire service." 20 years down the line. So he's saying that you know women aren't going to be interested in becoming firefighters because Fireman Sam's a fella. Now, to solve this problem, Les has introduced uh, the new mascots, which is a fire extinguisher mascot called Freddy, another one called Philbert, and another one called Penelope. So that's great for all the fire extinguishers out there. They're now going to be motivated yeah. to become firefighters. So by their own logic, they have uh, eliminated the idea that anyone is ever going yeah. to be applying for uh, to become a firefighter except actual fire extinguishers. I just think this is one of those things where Les is the boss and yep. no one wanted to say, Les. <laughs> Les, let's think through this. Anyway, that's very funny, but there is a sinister point in this because firstly, 
uh, it's it basically what it's saying is you have to be from a certain group to like a certain thing. Now, when I was younger, one of my heroes was Kathy Freeman. Yeah, I read her book. I went running for like three days because you know she <laughs> obviously you do it? that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, she was an inspiration for me, and yeah. by this logic, she shouldn't be because she's not you know the same group as me. Exactly. What about Steve Smith? Yeah. Is he only a hero for white men? Hmm. Some good points. I'm still just imagining a bunch of fire extinguishers in a fire truck trying to put out a fire with well, no humans around. I mean, fire extinguishers are good at putting out fires. Yeah, but, but they can't control themselves. Can't they? <laughs> no. Have you spoken to Philbert? <laughs> uh, no, Philbert won't return my calls. All right, uh, my villain of the week is The Guardian over in the UK. So The Guardian uh, were writing about, the, uh, about David Cameron. And one of the criticisms they levied at him in a wide field of things you can criticize David Cameron for, this is not one of them. So they said he's only ever known uh, privileged pain, which is Mm -hmm. the pain that he's experienced uh, is lessened because he's always been rich and things have always worked out well for him. Look, I did not know David Cameron lost a child. Like I I didn't know that. So when the Guardian say he's only ever known privileged pain and nothing he's ever experienced can be that bad, like I... You could forget that he's lost a child. The Guardian didn't. They actually yeah. write in the thing uh, that the, even the even his experience of the NHS, which looked after his severely disabled son, has that of a better functioning system and better funded parts of the system than, say, if he were looking after an old person. So they've actually gone out of their way to include the fact he's lost a son by just saying, like, oh, but it was privileged pain. He wouldn't have felt it as bad as someone else. Like, how blind are you in your own hatred of a person mm. to not see that other side of things? That is a, that's actually amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. It, it is one of the craziest things I've ever read. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that is a sure five of the week. Exactly. All right, right. Uh, that is it for the start of the show. So we'll now go to our interview with David Limbrick and then Theodora, then we've got the quiz, and yep. then we'll see you for the funny uh, stories that we've seen at the very end of the show. Exactly. Oh, cool. Okay, we now welcome onto the show David Limbrick, MP, Victorian uh, politician. Welcome to the show from the Liberal Democratic Party. Hi. All right, so we want to talk to you because Victoria is the centre of the free speech debate right now with uh, Fiona Patton's like, proposed bill and whether or not Labor are going to join in on that. And you were on the Friday show with Rita Panahi, another friend of the show, uh, last week debating it. So we want to talk about that and a whole lot of things. But first off, what happened with Fiona Patton? Because like, that was a big libertarian hope when she was like the head of the sex party. And it was like, oh, wow, all these things, like the Overton window is being shifted. And then uh, now she's attached herself to this bill. She used to be cool. Well, I still think she's cool in some ways. Uh, <laughs> David's an ask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I, you know, I get along fine with Fiona and I, I have a lot of respect for a lot of the things that she's done. But, I mean, this particular bill sort of just came out of nowhere from mm-hmm. our point of view and I was a bit surprised, to be honest. I didn't really see it coming. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, look, you know, she's done a lot of good work in drug law reform. Obviously, there's a, there's a bunch of issues where we don't agree on things. But, um, yeah, I mean... It's like if, if you're a libertarian, you can agree with everyone on something and you disagree with everyone on something too. So, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just so happens that there's a bunch of issues where there's overlap. But uh, this, I think this bill was a good. Uh, a good test of you know where the differentiation lies, and we had you know we had no choice but to come out hard against this because you know free speech is like our thing, right? We're not going to uh, we're not going to stand and just let. Uh, new encroachments. I probably don't even like the term free speech. I think it gets confused a lot. I, I sort of tend to talk about you know government controls on speech because mm. people yeah, people 
regulate speech all the time, right? Through Twitter and stuff like that. You know, you can ban someone, you can block them, you can kick them out of your group or whatever. And people say, oh, that's my free speech. Yeah. But I mean, what we're really talking about is government controls on speech. And in the private realm, people can happily control their speech and control who they interact with and things like that. And sometimes that gets out of control. And I think that's what this bill was trying to address. And so, um, you know, there's been a lot of cases and they're awful, right? So I say up front, you know, I, I don't like some of these cases, the, the vilification that's happened. Um, but from my point of view, it's really, well, does this legislation really help that or not? And I, obviously I don't think it helps it. I think it makes it worse in lots of ways. So, yeah. I think that's a really important distinction because often people who talk about they don't want government control of speech, opponents say, oh, you just want people to be able to say whatever they want, you know, no yeah. matter how bad it is. It's like, no, it's just that the people who should be deciding what acceptable speech is is the community. Yeah, I mean, it's the typical comeback that, you know, someone says, oh, well, what do you want to say that yeah. you can't say now, right? And, well, I don't want to say mean things to people and I don't like it when people say mean things to people, especially when they're, you know, pretty disgusting things about, you know, people's gender or race and things like that. Um, but does does government setting these standards actually uh, result in uh, a civil society that's more... Uh, more civilised, right? I, I don't think so at all. I mean, you, you know, the, you could take the the ultimate extreme. You say, well, government sets out everything that, you know, is and isn't acceptable. And, you know, we've seen in history, people, governments have tried that before and it, it, it ends very badly. So, you know, I think if you give people the ability to say what they want, then... Um, you can end up with interactions and, and and mechanisms to control those interactions. You know, in the in the in the on the internet, you can do that through. You know, there's lots of mechanisms to do that. You can block people. You can you can choose not to associate with them. You can. There's lots of different ways that you can do that. And I'm sure you know you you guys probably get lots of uh, hate speech directed at I you. I was ready to them this morning, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you get lots. My so. yeah. friend sent them to me. Uh, so what I was going to say is like uh, it, Fiona Benton's bill seems even a bit scarier than that because it's not exactly like the government saying this word and this word. It's like up to a judge's interpretation of what's been said, and you know the yeah. judge is just one person. Well, uh, it's actually it's the way it would work is. Uh, it's through – so the threshold being set through this bill is and, – and through the existing Racial and Religious Tolerance Act is through uh, 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 incitement of vilification or incitement of severe ridicule. Now, the current test is there needs to be some sort of intent of uh, incitement, right? Under this new proposal, that uh, test is removed and it's the result of incitement. So – whether incitement actually happened irrespective of whether you intended to incite uh, severe ridicule or not. And it also extends the number of protected classes. So, you know, at the moment it's just race and uh, <coughs> race and religion and it's extending it to, you know, uh, sex, gender, sexual identity, a whole bunch of other, a disability, a whole bunch of other attributes. Now, the, the problem with this that I see, which is I think is a really big problem, is that because intent isn't tested, you end up with this situation where someone makes a comment, which you know may be gendered or whatever, on Twitter, right? And the way that Twitter and all these platforms work is people pile in. So if there's a pile in that, yeah. where people start ridiculing someone based on an original comment, then I think it's quite quite arguably true that um, the uh, outcome of that was that uh, 
severe ridicule was incited. And so the way it would work is they would go to VCAT, so it wouldn't be a judge initially, it'd go through VCAT. The bill also gives new powers to VCAT to produce documents. So they, you know, again on Twitter and these platforms, they don't, you don't often know who the actual person is, right? It's just some pseudonym. Mm-hmm. And so they would force the platforms somehow to hand over the documents and then I suppose they figure out whether they're actually under this jurisdiction, whether they can even do anything about it. Um, and so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things. So I think lowering the bar, extending the protected classes and the production of documents, these are all clear uh, clear uh, extensions of government power into the speech realm and that's why we opposed it. Um, you know, we drew a line in the sand and said, no way we're going to support this. And that incitement element, like incitement can be orchestrated, can't it? It's not just something that might just happen on Twitter, which you see all the time. It's something you could actually orchestrate if we can incite something here and do it through people who have more than one account, then you can actually organise for someone to be caught under these laws if you were motivated enough. Maybe. And like some of the scenarios that... Um, so the, the law... The, the, the law as it stands, my understanding is that it actually excludes private communications, right? So it's only public communication. So where you get these private messages through platforms to someone that are really nasty, they're not covered. But if they make threats or whatever, then they're already covered by federal law. So, you know, if you if you threaten to hurt someone, it's, carried, it's covered by uh, federal laws to make a threat via a carriage service. Um, but... Think of some of these situations, like people like, um, you know, Clementine Ford, right? Um, she and, and lots of other people do this. They get they regularly get nasty private communications. And mm. one of the ways that they deal with that is they post it. They mm. say, here's this clown. Look at him, yeah. uh, what he's done, right? Now, arguably under this, if you posted that and used their gender, so if if she was going to deal with some nasty nasty person who was saying nasty things to her privately, she posted that publicly and said, look at this little man or something like that, right? Yep. She's clearly using gender, clearly uh, inciting severe ridicule. I mean, you know, could he claim against her yeah, under yeah, this? Yeah. I mean, it's clearly not the intent of the law, but um, there's a lot of unintended consequences, you know, these mm. scenarios that you can come up with that um, I... I don't think that the people that support this law would actually like the, those outcomes either. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think people supporting this law want to see Clementine Ford go down for it. But uh, well, yeah. uh, so uh, Labor have said that they're not supporting it until they get clarification on what the religious freedom bills are from the federal level. So, yes. one, do you reckon Labor's going to support it in the end? And second, like, what what do you think about the religious discrimination changes themselves? Uh so, all right, so there's a few things. So one of the things that Labor did do that is good is in the reference to the committee, they said it should look at the interactions between state law and federal law and uh, it should also look at, you know, the existing changes, the changes that the federal government's looking at at the moment. So, um, I mean, arguably it's not even the sort of thing that should be done at a state level. Like, I mean, how... I don't know, if someone from Queensland said something nasty to you in Victoria, I mean, how's this really going to work? Are they going to drag them down to Victoria to to sit before VCAT? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, just don't see how it works in practice. And if you mm-hmm. look at the history of the way the laws are now, there's only been a very, very small number of cases and I think there's only been one that's actually gone through. Now, uh, Fiona was saying, well, you know, that sort of proves it's working and I'm like, well... 
you know, I don't think we've got rid of racism and religious intolerance. So, uh, you know, I'd argue it wouldn't be working. And if the whole point of this is deterrent, people need to know about it, right? I mean, you talk to the man on the street. Do they actually even know this sort of law exists? I mean, I doubt it. And the cases that were stated as justification for this, you know, um, would the would those people who initiated those you know nasty comments and stuff would they have known about the law and said oh gee I better not make that comment now because of these laws in place and I might get dragged before VCAT and you know um, no I don't think so like I'm pretty pretty doubtful of that and even the pr practicality even if you accept that it's a good thing that these people should get into trouble once they get before VCAT. What's going to happen, right? They're not going to they're not going to have money for a start, so they're going to crowdfund it. That's how it works. They're going to go to the newspapers for more publicity, and you're going to end up with this great big culture war situation, right? So you're going to get, you know, the Herald Sun and the Australian going to be supporting this new victim who's been, you know, having their free speech uh, impinged, and then on the other side, you're going to have all these people cheerleading for whoever the defendant, whoever the uh, complainant is. And then it goes through all the all the motions, and then in the end they get a fine, and then they crowdfund the fine as well. And and the person who's the defendant in it probably becomes some minor celebrity. Yeah. Um, you know that's it. That's if the case actually succeeds. If the case fails, then the whole thing's a farce. I mean, you know, well, that was this, the thing this, with Israel Folau was that if rugby yeah. Australia just did nothing about it, no one would have seen it. But because they fired him, like literally every person in Australia is, uh, knows what Israel Folau wrote. I'd, I'd never heard of him before. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't follow rugby and I didn't know anything about it until all this blew up. And, yeah, I mean, it's a good example really of what really happens in these cases. Um, you know, does this improve the way that people act towards each other? I, I think it's made it worse. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't buy it. Well, great stuff on leading the charge on that, David. You've been the main person in charge of that and the LDP in general. Mm. Another win for the Liberal Democrats last week was the uh, inquiry into nuclear exploration. Uh, why don't you tell us about that and what that means for energy in Victoria? Yeah, so uh, um, a few months ago, it was actually a few months ago that we got it up. So we put together, um, I put forward a motion for an inquiry into nuclear prohibition. So for those uh, listeners who aren't aware, uh, Victoria has its own special laws prohibiting nuclear activities in Victoria. So mm -hmm. there's federal restrictions, there's also lots of state restrictions. And in Victoria, you're not allowed to do uh, uh, exploration, mining, anything to do with the nuclear, nuclear fuel cycle. Does uh, someone want to tell the people from the level below us that there's no mining? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the noise is coming through. Yeah, so it's uh, it's totally, totally outlawed, except for certain situations like nuclear medicine. So... Um, uh, but in that case, we lean on Sydney and the Lucas Heights reactor. But actually, there's a big nuclear medicine industry in Victoria. So um, Peter Mack and a few of these other institutes uh, are doing wonderful work with nuclear medicine for um, diagnostics and curing cancer and all these sorts of things. But um, so my idea was that uh, it's time we looked at these laws. They were instituted back in the middle of the Cold War in 1983 uh, at the time there was no real prospect of uh, going forward in the short term with a any sort of nuclear industry in Victoria, right? So it was pretty cheap for the government of the day. It was under the Kane government. It was pretty cheap for them to do, right? No jobs are going to be lost. It's not going to affect anything. No one was really talking about things like climate change and clean energy and all that sort of stuff back then. Um, and we had 
tons and tons and tons of brown coal, right? So it was a really cheap win. They went to the election saying, you know, we're going to prohibit nuclear technology. And so they did it. And there was resistance at the time. And at the time, uh, some of the people in the Liberal Party and the Nationals, even though Liberals ended up voting for it in the end, uh, but they were saying that, you know, what about in the future? Like things might change and prohibiting this now might cause problems in the future. And then here we are in the future <laughs> and we've got a completely different situation, right? So people aren't worried about um, nuclear annihilation through, you know, uh, a socialist empire anymore. They're, I think James still is. Well, uh, some people bit, still yeah. are, but, you know, um, all right, some people still are. <laughs> but I think young people these days, they're not so, you know, people my age, we grew up in the Cold War, and there was a very real worry that there was going to be this nuclear war, right? And um, people were very worried about that. But now they've got a new worry. The new worry is climate change. They're worried that, you know, the atmosphere is going to get too hot and all that. So the the climate's change there, right? Good one. Like Good one, David. Just mark that one down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the lines I was using is the climate's changed on nuclear. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But then there's other things that have changed too. The technology's changed a lot, right? Um, yeah. The types of technologies that we build now and the types of technologies that are just around the corner, like small nuclear, nuclear uh, reactors, um, this has all changed as well. Plus, uh, the, the, there's extensions of what you can do with nuclear technology. You know, a lot of people don't realise that it's used extensively in medicine, for example. It's also used extensively in, in industry. But there's also other industries like uh, space space exploration where it's pretty much impossible to launch long-distance probes without uh, using nuclear technology. And, and so I was like, well, lots of people always complain about, uh, you know, think take, for example, the Adani mine, right? People are saying, well, Australia exports all this coal and it's damaging, you know, because they export the coal, people in other countries are burning the coal and creating all this pollution and carbon emissions and stuff. But what no one seems to talk about is the fact that we mm. export massive amounts of uranium. And uh, the, in the 1718 financial year, we exported uranium that was equivalent, equivalent to, uh, if, it, if it was used to generate clean energy, which, which it is used to do so, it's equivalent to 96% of Australia's total electricity production. And so our uranium exports are exporting clean energy of a scale equivalent to if we had 100% renewables in Australia, right? Or even better than that, right? Mm. So we're doing a lot that's, you know, uh, helping the environment, I think, through these exports, but nothing is happening in Victoria at all because it's prohibited. And we need to say, need to ask questions, you know, is this the right thing to do? You know, should this... So we'll, the inquiry is going to start probably in November yep. and we'll be accepting submissions. But the, the the gist of the inquiry is looking at the prohibitions and would there be benefits to Victoria of lifting those prohibitions? And so looking at environmental benefits, economic benefits, social benefits and these sort of things. So, yeah. Yeah, because uh, we were going to say, like, there's the student climate strike this Friday and yeah. you talk about the, all the environmental benefits. So surely we should be seeing a few signs this weekend about the benefits of nuclear power. Well, um, I think so. yeah. well, I'm actually going to be attending climate strike. Um, really? You're going to yes. take the day off school? I'm going to take the day <laughs> off school. So, um, oh, look, I'm, I, I, I went to one before. Um, I want to talk to people who are going to these things. Uh, from my experience, a lot of these young people are quite open to the idea of nuclear. So the idea that people who are environmentalists are anti-nuclear, I think is is changing and is wrong 
in fact, the environmental movement globally is sort of splitting. And I think, you know, if you talk to people who are looking at this, they'll, they'll say, you know, splitting into two parts, right? You've got the, what they call the dark green environmentalism and the sort of eco-modernism. And the dark green environmentalism is like, you know, the ones that you would typically associate with this, right? So, you know, the end of the world is coming. We need total, uh, total uh, economic and social re reorganisation, basically state control of everything to do with energy, uh, you know, and humanity needs to pay its penance or we're all going to die sort of thing, right? And that, that's where that's coming from. And the eco-modernist is, and I'd probably put myself in this camp, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's problems, right? Absolutely there's problems, but, you know, humanity's pretty good at solving problems. We've got uh, uh, lots of technologies that we can use uh, to address these problems and... Um, we don't think that you know humanity has to suffer extreme poverty and and deprivation to solve these problems, and um, maybe we need to look at uh, you know removing some of the prohibitions. All right, uh, David, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks, David. Okay, we now welcome onto the show one of our campus coordinators here at the IPA, Theodora Pantelich. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, Theodora, we're bringing you in because you uh, received quite well a lot of students around Australia received quite the email from their universities recently. So do you want to tell us what you received? Yeah, so I logged onto the Melbourne Uni portal one day and saw a message um, from the administration saying uh, the, Uni Melbourne, the University of Melbourne supports the uh, climate day of action, like the Extinction Rebellion thing this Friday, 20th of September. Um, arrangements will be made so that you can attend if you wish. You can skip class. Um, academics that want to attend are also allowed to basically make arrangements for that and cancel their classes to go to the protest. And my first thought was basically, well, isn't it funny that a university is supporting a movement which is saying that humans are going to be extinct a few years down the track, right? Because if they genuinely believed that, they may as well just give up because no one's going to be going to class like 10 years down the track, right? It's true. Yep. So it, it sort of just points out what kind of a really shallow... <laughs> uh, like you know it's it's such a stupid thing to do it's such a classic example of virtue signaling yeah before we get into that can you describe to me what a portal is yeah I, Pete and I would have done so much better at university if we knew what a portal was uh, so the portal is a magical place uh, you log in with a username and a password and okay. all the information you need to succeed is on the portal there you go yeah, yeah. so the, uh, the university they were like they were literally saying like they will encourage students and encourage teachers to make uh, changes for students that are going to the protest. Not just like a, if you want to go, fine, but that's at your own peril and you need to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. It is like, look, what can we do? Yeah, literally. What can we do to help so, you? So um, I think La Trobe University had a much more reasonable response to this. They said, if you want to attend, obviously you can attend, um, but you still have to submit all your ass assignments that are due on that day. You still have to make sure you pass the, the attendance hurdle. Attendance. Fascists. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Bloody fascists. <laughs> imagine having to go to class. Like, yeah. What a concept. Um, yeah, but Melbourne Uni is just like, no, nah, the academics can go, the students can go, and we fully support uh, what the Extinction Rebellion movement is trying to do. Right, because this email has set off quite the discussion among all of our campus coordinators across Australia. Now, is Uni Melbourne, uh, the University of Melbourne, is their response the worst of them all, or is there like a, uh, an even worse one? I think most of the unis have been pretty similar. Um, the academics at a lot of these unis are already really invested in this 
really alarmist environmentalist cause anyway. So like the lectures, the day-to-day lectures and shoots at these unis are already full of this kind of stuff. So it's not really a new concept, I think, at a lot of these unis. So this sort of demonstrates that this is a bias problem at universities because I can't imagine there being special uh, arrangements being made for students who want to not go to class to go to like a nuclear rally or something. Yeah, exactly. It does raise a question. Um, yeah, a, a student certainly wouldn't be given permission to attend uh, a nuclear rally and skip class because of that. And I think, yeah, so uh, there is a very serious problem at universities right now in the administration and the actual academia itself, as well as among the students. Because, you know, if you're at uni, you're young, idealistic, you mm. have a revolutionary phase. I mean... I didn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's coming. Theodore yeah. missed a revolutionary phase. I did, I skipped yeah. that. I mean, looking at you, Pete, I'm sure you voted Greens once upon a time. I did, I definitely voted Greens. Yeah. <laughs> See, In the you. 70s when I was, oh, you know, 18. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> or we make those jokes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we make it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, what, what, how did this go down with students? Because like, definitely the campus coordinators, like they were having a big old laugh on the Slack channels, mm. but how did it go down with uh, students you know through uni? Are they going like, wow, can't believe our uni's taking such a role? Or is it like, how come they get to skip class and I don't? I think, uh, well, obviously there is that very loud sort of radicalised minority on campus, which mm. is like, oh, isn't the uni being amazing and standing up for climate action and whatever? But for most students, it's just really inconvenient that they're now going to have to attend alternative classes uh, because their tutor might want to attend the rally. Oh, uh, a lot yeah, 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 I did think that. <laughs> that. Yeah. So i got to switch shifts down at like, yeah, wherever yeah. I'm working. Yeah, literally. Like, it's g- only going to inconvenience the majority of students uh, who actually, you know, kind of care about the results, kind of care about uni, are actually there for the right reasons. Um, and, yeah, most students aren't activists they they don't really care about the extinction rebellion stuff um and they just want to you know get on with their work to what extent do you guys get bombarded with climate change stuff at uni because i feel like it's a lot there's a lot for sure um basically every discipline i know as an art student i see it all the time in history classes for example i had this um i did a subject last semester on british history from like 1600 to 1800 um, the lecturer in that talked to us about the Extinction Rebellion protest, said it's fantastic stuff, and he was like, oh, uh, the women in this class, I would recommend that you don't have children oh. <laughs> because, because, of, because of climate change, because of... Um, but, you know, because of overpopulation, because of climate change. And I'm just sitting there being like, is a man just telling yeah, me yeah. To, to, what to do with my body? Like, yeah, is, exactly. Isn't this a classic no, that's cool, he's left anti- fe- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. And then uh, I did another subject this semester, which I dropped for obvious reasons. Um, There was going to be a series of lectures. The first one was going to be called, uh, I have it written down. So climate change is capitalism the problem. And the second one was going to be climate change is eco-socialism the answer. Oh, were they? Did you make it that far? I didn't make it that far. I saw that and I was like, well, I'm going to drop out of this before, before <laughs> I have to What was the subject? That. Uh, it was a subject, it was sort of a generic bread subject, like multidisciplinary oh, stuff. Right. Um, it's rough. Yeah. yeah. So I had power for my multidisciplinary oh, one. power. Which was like, literally by week three, it was like the whole, it was, you know, this hour long lecture about how you behave differently at work than you do with your friends. I'm like, yeah. someone got paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> that was Powers, a research power report. Power is a pretty notorious one. Like there's a lecture in power that's always, he always starts out the semester saying, if I don't make 90% of you communists by the end of this I'm not doing my job right really like that's a, that's a story I've heard I, I did reason 
the reasonable option rather than power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, trust me, I've got regrets. I didn't realise you meant to behave differently at work. Yeah. That would have been good to do power. All right, um, sweet. Uh, last thing we got, unless yeah. you had any more on no, the, no, this No, no, that's one. all I had. All right, so last thing we got, we saw over the weekend a uh, Instagram page or a Facebook page, uh, Brown Cardigan got banned. Now, apparently they're back on. Now, first mm-hmm. off, what is Brown Cardigan? And second, uh, what's been the reaction there? Brown Cardigan is this very Aussie-themed, like, meme page. I don't get a lot of the humour on it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> all right, well, maybe you can pretty, unpack it. No, it's, it's pretty funny. Like, uh, there was this one thing where a guy just, like, wedges a pint I don't know, like a beer glass into his mouth and just yeah. like skulls. I didn't understand it, but I could appreciate it. Yeah. But like apparently. It's an athletic fate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Mm. Uh, yeah. you know. So is it just drunk people doing things, yeah. but Australian version? Drunk and other stuff. Right. Okay. So And yeah. then drunk people doing things has, uh, you know, a few offshoots as well and some yeah. more illicit substances. But yeah. <laughs> so is that the idea? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, right. I thought you were talking to the Yeah, no, no that is... That <laughs> no, is a quest for the panel. Uh, <laughs> that is the idea. So it gets banned it's because it's funny. like glorifying equals... Sorry, depicting equals glorifying. Well, they don't really know why it got banned. Right. But they've got back, put back on, then they got banned again, then they got put back on. Okay. But the thing which got them banned was this person sculling a froth. Right. Which... It's <laughs> never happened. Yeah. It would never happen again unless we'd <laughs> had a video of it. Literally Prime Minister's about that. So. <laughs> I, mean, I, found, I found it pretty funny. Like, it's not edgy content. No. I mean, it's, nah, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of edgy, but it's just like, yeah. why stop people having fun? Exactly. It's Imagine so that yeah. page getting banned in the Bob Hawke Prime Ministership. <laughs> You'd be <laughs> a bum. Day You'd be a bum. Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> we've got a, a, a pint of beer for Theodore to skull. Oh, really? Just to, <laughs> no, just kidding, Theodore. We'd never do that to you. It's irresponsible. Yeah, that's, that, exactly. well, we could have gone famous on Brown Cardigan. Mm. Um, but yeah, so like, is that the kind of thing that gets through to people who are young where these pages get banned and it's like this nanny state, oh, we don't want that sort of stuff on? Do people go like, well... I'll make the choice of whether or not I want to pursue a life in Brown Cardigan sponsored content. Yeah. Uh, that's up to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, this, this whole shadow banning thing, um, reporting uh, online content for trivial reasons, like because it's, you know, triggering or inappropriate or whatever, it's, it kind of does annoy a lot of younger people because, mm. you know, everyone has their own sense of humor. Everyone wants to see different content online you can't really over-regulate what happens on the internet because people are going to do what they want to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. There will always be videos of people downing beers mm. on the internet. Exactly. And if you're going to start removing content of the internet, you know, don't start with harmless, weird Aussie memes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot worse on the internet yes. that you could be looking at fixing. I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, Theodora, you're sticking around for the quiz, mm. which uh, we're going to have a brief break of like five seconds on the show, yep. and then we'll be back with the quiz. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to another round of Hey, What Did We Miss? The IPA's weekly quiz. We've got uh, three contestants with us today. Yep. We've got Dr. Bella Debrera, three-time defending champion? Yes. This will be her fourth time. This title. will be her fourth time. Oh, Pete's already conceding that this is going to be <laughs> her fourth time. If she wins, this will be her She won't. She's not going to And Theodora, we just had you on for an interview coming back for the quiz. And, of course, our beloved Peter Gregory, co-host, uh, man extraordinaire. Wow. This will be the week. You've been reading my blog, James. <laughs> <laughs> that is my line. Well, <laughs> oh, thank you. Guess not it's mine it. now. All right. Uh, so, Theodora, this is your first time on the quiz. So, just in case, I know you've listened to the quiz, and just in case uh, anyone out there needs a refresher on the rules. Yep. Uh, so, one point for each correct answer, one point against for any incorrect answer. I just realized I forgot a pen, and I'm going to have to do this all mentally again. <laughs> Does anyone have a pen? Do it on your phone. Do it on my phone. That's going to not work. All right. Yeah. I, I can do this mentally. Okay. And if there's a brief break while I go get a pen, We'll just see. And what do you know through the magic of editing? A pen has appeared in my hand. So I officially never made a mistake and Mm -hmm. we can start the quiz as usual. So, uh, oh wait, no, Buzzers. So Buzzers is going to be your first name. So Belle? 
Bella. And Pete. Roof, roof. Now, roof, roof. The roof seal. Now, Theodora, you didn't want to go with Theodora. I think you've acknowledged that it's a bit long. It might hurt. Four syllables. So. I'm going to go TB, my initials. TB. Yeah. Well, I'm still two syllables. TP. TP. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's better. Does that work? That works. TP. Yeah. That's pretty really right. quick, actually. It is. It's TP. very quick. Ooh. You can get that really quick, actually. TP. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let, enough of this. All right. Uh, <laughs> so let's get straight into it. So question one. Mayor Clovermore okay. decided last week to stop wearing the city of Sydney's historic mayoral chains. Why? Bella. Bella. Um, because it was meant to be anti-Indigenous. Yeah, it was. Do you remember the phrase that's on it? Um, uh, I take, but I surrender. That is correct. Oh, my God. That's why she's the queen of quizzes. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It was this whole thing. Like, she says it's about Indigenous culture. And then uh, we had Zach Gorman, one of our staff members in here, say, actually, even cursory look at the City of Sydney's own website yep. would show you what the actual meaning was. A 15-second 15 15 quiz. 15-second look. 15-second look. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you got there eventually. Yeah. It was a 15-second statement from Pete. That's uh, right. All right. Uh, question two. So uh, last week the chairman of the ABC said Andrew Bolt would never, wouldn't be welcome on the ABC and said that the IPA has already saturated the market of ABC appearances. Ooh. Who is the chairman of the Roof ABC? Roof Seal. I'd have Rose. It is yes. indeed. Roof Seal is on the board. All right. Uh, last <laughs> night Boris Johnson uh, skipped a press conference with a country. Roof Bella. Oh. oh, Theodore, I saw you lean in. You didn't get the TP Too off. Slow. Luxembourg. Luxembourg Come is on. correct. This is it. This is it. This could be it. All so the fans are looking at each other going, is this it? <laughs> <laughs> is he going to ch- stuff up again? It's just a murmur. It's just a slow murmur. It's building. Yeah. So, yeah, there was like, uh, if anyone is there, there's a hilarious press conference where it's just the president of Luxembourg next to an empty yeah. podium because Boris Johnson ran off. All right. Uh, so, Gladys Lou, all over the news right now, whether or not uh, she has links to uh, other countries. Uh, what seat does she represent? TP. Oh. TP. Chisholm. Chisholm. I knew that I used to live in Chisholm. Well, there you go. I should have said it. It <laughs> would have been a few questions I had after that. <laughs> I was going to, like, if you guys didn't know it, I was going to go. It starts with a C-H-I. Yeah. 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 It ends with a L- well, who knows? Uh, all right. Uh, which famous journalist and author's new book just out is called Talking to Strangers? Oh, Very famous guy. That's a good one. It is a good question. I was pretty proud of myself. I'm not going to lie. Talking to strangers. Now, this is the part journalist. where I encourage people to think out Did loud. Did you say journalist yeah. and... It's hard enough to and Journalist, reporter. author. I was reading about this. Like social time. researcher. You uh, could say talking. his famous reached the tipping point. Roof, roof. Oh, Malcolm Gladwell. There it is. <laughs> this could be it. This, this is could be it. it. Yeah, What's well, Bella on one? I've never All heard right, of So, yeah, score check. So, <laughs> Peter Gregory, three. Bella, one. <laughs> Theodora, <laughs> one. We're halfway through. Oh, my God. This could be it. I could you, choke. You'd hate to choke this. <laughs> to start hitting the post. To like this. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I would encourage all of you to just go and be a real shame. Yeah. <laughs> Get on the sledge. Or we'll go the knuckle, like in the country. Anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, so, who was Secretary of Defense in the US until TP. last week? TP. John Bolton. Yeah. Correct. Oh. It is Theodora. Three, yeah. three two, one. Uh, Bella. See, everyone thinks Bella's going to be no, no, maybe no, no. Theodora. I told, you, I, told you, I told you at the beginning I'm not going to win. I, I could also see this being the start of like a complete unbeaten, what the Jeopardy James run where the guy won like 55 Jeopardies in a row earlier this year. I must year. have missed that one. I must have missed that one, have you? All right. Uh, what, was the name of the ra- uh, what was the name of the gangster? Bella. J- oh. oh, my God. It's... Oh, I've just... Oh, no. She's panicking. No, I've forgotten. Oh, oh that's a point And it's off. Joe Biden, I know. Yeah. What was the name of the gangster that Joe Biden supposedly fought off when he was a lifeguard? It's... I have absolutely it's no like, idea. Um, no idea. It's two words. It's like, it is. Um, <laughs> like a first cuppy, name. Like no. ping or something. Oh, you're close. You had the initials. It's, it's corn pop. Corn pop. Oh. 
Corn Pop is the stupidest name. <laughs> like, What's a Corn Pop? Uh, what? It's a very it's scary, a very it's a scary man. That he yeah. met at the pool. So uh, is Bella back to zero now? Bella is yeah. back to zero. Oh so I think it's, well, you know, you never know who's going to get the who am I. That's right. All right. Uh, now, it is final season for both the AFL and the NRL. Oh, I feel an AFL question would be too easy for Pete. So oh, name no. two teams still in the hunt for the NRL championship. Roof, roof, roof. roof, roof. Melbourne Storm and Camera Raiders. Uh, I wrote down Raiders. I'm assuming they're from Canberra. I they have yeah. no idea. <laughs> the only reason I know that is because it's on the telly before the footy on Saturday night. And I was like, can you change it over to the football, please? <laughs> this is Melbourne. Anyway. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. So last question before we get into the who am I. Yep. After a heated, wide, uh, heated office-wide dispute, how do you spell the word okay? TP. TP. Oh, well, this is ridiculous. Capital O and K. Thank you very That's, much. I mean, the people playing at home are like, that is not that the is answer. Not the all right, what would your advance have been? O-K-A-Y. That's a, like any other literate Australian. Great point off Facts the don't care about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Got only facts and logic there, Pete. TP Pete. just hits me with a bit of shade. All right. Uh, sorry, coming into it. So Bella on zero. If you want to win, you're going to have to get the who am I on five points. You could. Bella's on four. Uh, sorry, Pete's on four. It's roof, hard roof. to tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Two very leading academic minds in my presence. <laughs> and then uh, Theodora on three, the oh new challenger, God. the new voice. All right, so who am I? I will be celebrating my 62nd birthday on Saturday. Oh, it could be anyone. <laughs> could only, again, like, again That's with what the we other always thing, say. But it can't be anyone. It, it could could only be, anyone. be people celebrating their 62nd birthday on Saturday. <laughs> That's that true. is a very select group of so, people. So Bella's clearly got to have a swing at this. All right, Bella, you've got to have a swing at this. But why would I know whose birthday it is on you Saturday? Just, just, just think of a middle-aged just person. Think of someone who's 62. <laughs> and it's you your could, only chance to you defeat the win a lot. There's no points off. That's famous. There are points off. <laughs> no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go into the negative. That's true. Didn't <laughs> we, we had a few uh, consonating looks from uh, an Evan Warren last week? <laughs> All right, sorry, Bella. Unfortunately, your championship run has come to an end. Wow. But you can tie it actually if you get it on. Yeah, I, I first I in, four 62. points. I first entered Parliament in 1998. Oh, that's a good I question. never know these these people in Australia. Can you? Yeah, I don't know. Again, the thinking out loud, it's just so important to an audio Yeah, no, quiz. sorry. It's Australian <laughs> politics. But thinking music. I wasn't no. even born in 1998. Really? Yeah. Are you that 62? I'm so young. I still Theodora, you are going to know who this is. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks. So, okay, so no one's taken for four points. No. 62. No. Entered Parliament in 1998. All right, three points. I once absolutely lost it at a stewardess on a flight because I didn't get my meal. Uh, roof, roof. Roof, Oh, this, you'd hate to get a point off of this. Oh, come on. Kevin Rudd. Oh, it's Kevin Rudd. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I knew it was oh. Kevin Rudd, but I was like, oh, no. It's not Kevin we should be playing like your celebratory walk-on song right yeah. now. Over there. Which one would it be? Uh, Gotta be Don't Look Back in Anger. Don't Look Back in Anger. Yeah. You know, I'd like to thank it's all the sponsors who <laughs> worked so hard. Yeah. All the boys. We did it. All right, really. What a moment for the podcast as yeah. Peter Gregory thank takes you. out his first year. Oh, thank God I don't have to come back next oh, week. Stop <laughs> saying that. The first of many. Yeah. Stop saying that. Bella's Tuesdays have really opened up. You could have ended it a lot earlier, Bella. Come on. <laughs> she tried. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, that's it for the quiz. We'll go to uh, the rest of the show. Congratulations, Pete, the quiz champion of the world. This is a big day for you. 
Well, I got to say, you know, it took a lot of hard work, but we got there in the end. Yeah, how do you feel? Like uh, elated, it, like elated, euphoric. Uh, how how uh, how much are you looking forward to defending your championship next week? Look, you know, I just want to enjoy it for the next few days, and then get yep. into preseason, and then you start at zero next year, don't you? Hey, we're taking it one week at a time. All right, That's we're right. just getting around the boys. We're just getting uh, geared up. That's it. All right, uh, let's get through. Oh, and I want to say, sorry, we had the David Limbrick on in Correct. the show earlier. Now, what we do want to say is David Limbrick is hosting a uh, event to support new nuclear power in Australia yep. and to support nuclear power in Melbourne. So Sunday the 20th of October at Parliament House in Melbourne is going to be the Stand Up for Nuclear Melbourne event. So you can go to Facebook, look up Stand Up for Nuclear and you can respond and there's going to be all the uh, details that you need to know. Should be uh, good. Uh, so here's the story I want to talk about because it is the perfect lesson in how the media works. And so we're calling this segment uh, Let's Wait Three Days, yep. which is like a sort of internal metric Pete and I have of when a story breaks with an incredibly sensational headline mm. clearly designed to evoke emotion you have to wait three days before actually reading an article exactly just right. for all the all oh, right but then you know all the qualifiers come out it's like oh look at this amazing story yep. next day okay so just trick it back a little bit because actually this happened and then the second day is like well we had another look at it and really the picture is this and by the third day it's like uh we shouldn't have done that yeah so the number one we do this stuff every week we do this stuff every took week. us two years to think of a title <laughs> uh, so here's one so a story broke last week that the north carolina republicans they couldn't get something through the north carolina house so they mm -hmm. waited until 9-11 when all of the democrats were at a uh, memorial for 9-11, yep. uh, obviously, to put something up. There's no one around to vote no and it gets through. Yep. And Washington Post runs with it. GQ runs with it. Uh, all these other places run with it. The whole world's like, how could this be? Mm. And then you just wait three days because eventually it turns out that not only – it was only one of the Democrats actually had a 9-11 service and the rest of them were not anywhere. Yeah. Uh, doing it, stuff. Yeah, it wasn't like this like scheming Republicans using a holiday uh, – sorry, using a day of mourning. It was just like uh, there was a complete confusion as to when the bill was. Mm -hmm. It happened to fall on 9-11. No one told anyone yeah. and the bill just went through because the Democrats weren't around because no one told them to be there. Yep. Which is the this whip's is, job. So? Which is the whip's job. Yeah, which is the whip's job. And Pete loves, you know, <laughs> Pete <laughs> exactly. loves to know what the whip is doing at all times. Exactly. My favourite guy was the f guy who was running. Oh, how good is that? Yeah. I, I was going to say that to you. So that's uh, Representative Grier Martin who uh, was running and he sent a screenshot of the five-mile route he, his amount. phone logged yeah. to the journalist to prove that he was running. Sick flex, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could just say I'm running. You that's don't like need to be days. like, look how much I run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was running. Did I tell you I was running? <laughs> I, I like to fit. Five miles. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, that's how the media works. Like, you just yeah. have to wait three days. Yeah, well, the thing I like about this segment is because the reason it came back, which, which James forgot to mention, was his friend sent him this story, who's a lefty, and said, look how terrible you people are. Yeah. And James literally said, just wait three days, mate. Yeah, and then bang, I bang. continue to be right about absolutely everything. We do it all the time. All right, uh, let's talk Port Phillip. Well, Port Phillip Council here in Melbourne, the city of Port Phillip, what is with all these random organisations declaring climate emergencies? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say Port Phillip's a random organisation. Like, oh. you do need local government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not saying we don't need local government, but what do they have to do with declaring climate emergencies? What does it mean yeah. once we've declared a climate emergency? What now? Anyway, yeah. so... Uh, they've done this. They're, they are about to declare a climate 
emergency. And look, I'm, not, I'm only going to believe there's a climate emergency once rich people stop buying houses next to the sea. Yep. Anyway, the absolute battlers at the city of Port Phillip have set to declare a climate emergency. Greens councillor Tim Baxter said that the sea level rise and mass species extinction posed serious risks to local residents and should be treated as an emergency, but not just local residents, James, because Baxter also said that people in Bangladesh are at threat from climate change and we need to declare an emergency on their behalf. Yeah. Now, Sorry, can, I, can, I, can we just pause there for a second? Because yes. that is my favourite part. It's like, yes. not only is it like, they're saying the Port Phillip Council in Melbourne is not saying that Melbourne is under a climate emergency mm. per se. They are saying Bangladesh is under a climate emergency. That's right. And Egypt and Vietnam. That's right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure those countries are thinking, finally, Melbourne has weighed in on this. City of Port Phillip, to be specific. City of Port Phillip has weighed in on this. We can finally get some things going. Exactly right. And I, the, councillor, the, the good councillor must have forgotten to listen to the IPA podcast that week where we featured the story about Bangladesh, where the Bangladesh government themselves requested Australia to produce more coal yep. to export to them. So don't worry, Mr. Baxter. The bangers are happy. They've got it covered. You just concentrate on Port Phillip. Yeah, I also like the idea that if there's a climate emergency, there should be like a martial law. Like yeah. we'll suspend democracy, we'll mm. do anything. No one has any property rights. We need to figure out the climate emergency. That, I mean, that is the theory about what's coming. <laughs> yeah, well, true. Uh, all right, uh, last story I want to get through, and this is my favourite story, potentially of the year, okay. uh, maybe even the decade. But anyway, Joe Biden, Democratic frontrunner, the person who's not Marianne Williamson, as I will now henceforth talk, talk to him about. Uh, a video has come out of him giving a speech, I think it's like two years ago. Mm. And uh, look, like, I, I don't want to set it up any more than this. But anyway, he's talking about how when he was a lifeguard at a local pool at the place he was making a speech at, in Delaware, sorry, uh, he ran into a gangster. Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. And I did. And back in those days, to show how things have changed, one of the things you had to use, if you used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther, you, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. And it goes on and on. So eventually, uh, what is it? So Corn Pop... Uh, was armed with a straight razor and he's backed by other gang members. He's threatening to cut the future vice president. And instead of calling the police, Biden met Corn Pop and his cronies head on, having armed himself with a six foot chain. And after a standoff, Corn Pop backed down. Okay. Uh, now, Pete, on a scale, like, just tell me through your initial thoughts. Did this happen? James, I think we're going to have different views on this because I 100% believe this happened. Really? Yeah. You reckon there is a guy running around Delaware with a gang called the Romans and he goes by Corn Pop? Well, Maybe in the 70s. Joe Biden is a colourful character yep. and he's, say what you want about him, but I feel like he's lived a life yep. and this is completely in keeping with what I think he might have got up to in the 70s. Uh, look, okay, so that's not wrong. That like, Joe Biden's a colourful figure, yep. but I just don't see a gangster. Like, all right, so let's put it this way. You've been to a public pool recently? Oh, in summer. Enough that you'd be able to... <clears throat> Know what's in a public pool? Yeah. How much? Uh, how much six foot chains do you remember seeing? Oh, there's chains. You could. You remember seeing a six foot chain? Well, that chain was given to him by a mechanic or something, wasn't it? Look, I just don't. So why is a mechanic with a six foot chain hanging around a public pool and he's not standing up for, to corn pop? Well, I there don't is know. no way any of this happened. This is exactly when you get into a lie and you realize they'll see through this lie if I don't hit him with some specifics. Yeah. And the specifics are good. The chain, corn pop, cronies, the stuff thing. like that, the pomade. Uh, a lot of words are getting mentioned here, but once you say that a bad guy would go around, a self-respecting bad guy would go around calling himself Corn Pop, no matter what specific you hit him with after that, everyone's going to be like, I don't see a Corn Pop. I just, I don't see that. Well, I'm sorry, James. I can't agree with you, mate. 
right. this is this, this is right up Joe's alley. Uh, I there is no way this happened, is what I'm saying. All right, that is it for the show this week. Thank you to David Limbrick and Theodora Pantelich. Uh Congratulations again to Pete, winner of the quiz. Very happy. Uh, we'll have a new challenger, fresh meat for you to uh, whack away with your Where's quiz. Where's your man Monday? Uh, all right. Uh, uh, see you guys. No, sorry. Make sure you're telling your friends and family about the show. If you are listening through Apple Podcasts or iTunes, make sure you leave us a five star review. Yep. We're also on YouTube. We've got the new Young IPA Podcast YouTube channel. We're filming this podcast and waving to a camera now. Uh, Pete is as well. So if you do like to watch your podcast through YouTube, you can go do that. See you yep. guys next week. See you later.